one true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Christ the Redeemer family. It's good to see you all this morning. And as you all know, the first Sunday of every month is what we call Youth Sunday. But as we also know, there seems to be something just a little bit different this morning, isn't there? Can you guess what it is? Right. Father Mark isn't here, is he? He's not here. And and we also know that I'm no Father Mark, but what some of you may not know is that I actually used to do the children's sermons myself before we had Father Mark. Back when we first got started, back as some of us would say, before my hair started turning gray and turning loose. That's my father's old uh, adage about what hair happens, what hair does to us. So, kids, listen carefully. Because I want you to know how much you are loved, and because I don't want you to ever think that we have forgotten you or that you're second best to anyone, I thought I would take just a few moments to preach the children's message to you all today. So, in honor of what Father Mark would do, can we get a big thumbs up? I know what some of you think that means. Uh, What I'll say it means is that we're ready to go, right? And we're ready to go this morning. So this morning, I won't take very long, but what I think I have to say is very important. What I want to talk to us about this morning is a word called stewardship. Everybody familiar with this word called stewardship? It's a big 25-cent word, and if you don't know what it is, I want you to think of stewardship this way. Stewardship is what we do with what God has given to us. Stewardship is what we do with what God has given to us. So let's think about some of the really good things that God has given to us. He's given us our lives. He's given us our families. He's given us food, clothing, shelter. He's given us things like music and athletic and arts and education and all kinds of things, right? These are all gifts that God's given unto us. God wants us to enjoy these things, and God wants us to be good stewards of these things, right? When your parents tell you to eat right, that's because they want you to be good stewards of your bodies. When your parents encourage you to make good grades, that's because they want you to be good stewards of your minds. How many of you get an allowance? No, nobody gets an allowance. What has happened in this world? Okay, now turn to the adult sermon. Children, if you get an allowance, that's because your parents want you to be good stewards of money. You may take some of that allowance. You may spend it on yourself. You may take some of that allowance and spend it on your brother or sister. Maybe you save some of that for a rainy day, or maybe you save some of that for the future. Well, God wants us to be good stewards of money. We learn that more and more as we grow up. And what you may or may not know is that the church also uses money, right? When we give to the church, that's what allows us to have this building. It's what allows us to turn on the lights. It's what allows us to have beautiful music and singers it's what allows us to do good things into the com- in the community and in the world, like help those are, who are in need. That's how the church is empowered to do its work, is through what we call stewardship. 
So once I finish talking to the adults, we're going to hear a testimony from one of our students who's grown up here. Anna Grace Pearson is going to come talk to us about how important Christ the Redeemer has been to her. Her family has been here from the very beginning of the church. She has grown up here, and I bet she has a really neat story to say. So what I want us to to think about when Anna Grace comes up and talks to us is this. We give to God because God gives to us. Can you all repeat that with me? We give to God because God gives to us, right? And the highest and best thing that God has given to us is Jesus Christ, our Savior, right? And so in response to all of the good things that God has done for us, we give to God because God gives to us. So thanks for letting me talk to you. Thanks for listening. Let me talk to the moms and dads for just a few minutes, and then we'll carry on from there. As all of us know, last Sunday, Stephen O'Neill began this year's stewardship campaign. Recalling for us our humble beginnings over 12 years ago, from living rooms to ballrooms and disco balls, as we like to talk about, now in a shopping center until we find our permanent home here in Fort Worth. Indeed, it has been quite a story. It is a story of growth, as he talked about. It's also a story of change. We're experiencing a change right now in our midst. But I want to testify to this one thing that I think is really, really neat, even in the midst of this change. This past Wednesday, we had another one of our Day of Discovery classes where we invite guests and visitors to come explore our mission and ministry a little bit deeper. I'm delighted to report to you all that we had about 30 people in the room representing at least nine different families. I think that's fantastic. I think that tells us that, yeah, right. I think that tells us that God is doing something very good here at Christ the Redeemer. And so our church is a wonderful story of growth. Not just the physical growth that we're experiencing, but the spiritual growth that we're experiencing. And as much as it's right and good for us to talk about these things, we all know that these things, all of these things, they are the result They are the result of God growing his kingdom. You see, we're not growing just because we're growing. That should seem obvious enough. No, we're growing because God is growing us. So as our vestry leadership talks to us about stewardship this month, as we listen to them talk about our hopes and our dreams for the future, and as we prayerfully consider how God would ask us to respond I want to lay alongside their message a four-week sermon series, a series that I've titled Growing the Kingdom of God, Growing the Kingdom of God, because as Christians, we know something, don't we? We know that the more we talk about the cause of growth, and that cause is Jesus Christ, the more we talk about the cause, the more the results tend to take care of themselves. For as Jesus himself tells us in John chapter 12, verse 32, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He has a way of doing that, doesn't he? If we just lift him up, and of course in that passage he was talking about the cross specifically, but we still preach Christ crucified. That's the central message of the church. So as Christ is lifted up, he'll do the work of drawing people to himself. 
So over the next four weeks, we're going to look at four topics. Four principles about the growing kingdom of God wrapped into four questions for us to consider. In just a minute, we'll talk about the first question. What do we do? What do we do with the one who is called Jesus? Next week, we're going to talk about the world. What do we do with the people of the world? Thirdly, we're going to talk about society. What is our Christian responsibility within our society at large? And finally, what do we do with ourselves? So let's take up our first question. What do we do with this Jesus? I think it's helpful for us to start by asking another question. What is it that Jesus wants to do with us? What is it that Jesus, what is it that Jesus Christ wants to do with us? Well, in today's gospel, Jesus tells a parable about a man who planted a vineyard. The parable says the man put a fence around it. It says he dug a wine press in it. He built a tower in it and he leased it out to tenants. Then the parable says the owner of the vineyard, he went away for a season. And when he came back, he expected to do the tenants, for the tenants to do what they were supposed to do, produce the fruit and give him his share of that fruit. So he sends his servants out to those tenants to collect his due from them. But instead of giving the owner of the vineyard the fruit he was owed, the scripture says that the tenants beat one of the servants. And they killed another and stoned another. And then when the owner sent out more stewards, the tenants did the same things to them. So the owner gets this bright idea to send his son out to the tenants, thinking that they would surely respect his son. Instead, the tenants said to one another, we've got a better idea. Let's kill the son. And that way, if we kill the son, we can have the inheritance all to ourselves. Now, of course, Jesus is telling this parable about himself. And the context for this parable has to do with God's covenant people, Israel. Specifically, Jesus is issuing a judgment against the people of Israel because they themselves have been unfaithful. Essentially, he's telling the Israelites that they have had every opportunity to bear fruit for God. Just think of it. God gave them the land... God gave them the law, God gave them his love, God gave them the covenants, God gave them the promises, and even when they fell short time and time again, God sent them prophets to call them back to the law and to call them back to God's love. We heard it this morning in our reading from Isaiah. What more was there to do for my vineyard, the prophet cries, than I have not already done for it? But when I looked for it to yield grapes, it yielded wild grapes. So this is what I will do. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. History tells us, my friends, that's exactly what happened to the nation of Israel 2,000 years ago, isn't it? 2,000 years ago, the mighty Roman Empire destroyed the land destroyed the temple, and completely decimated the people. Can you imagine? It's hard to imagine, but can you imagine our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution being ripped to shreds? 
Can you imagine our nation's capital being torn down brick by brick and thrown to the ground? Can you imagine a foreign leader living in the White House, one who even thinks he's a god and ruling over our nation? Well, what the Roman Empire did to ancient Israel was something like that. In fact, it was a lot like that. But out of those ashes, we know, arose something incredibly beautiful. This tiny band of people who were of no stature and no status, they started spreading a different message. First, right there in Israel, you know the story, then to to Judea and Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. They started saying what we now say every Sunday 2,000 years later. You know it. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. One more time. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And they took that simple message and they proclaimed it to anyone and to everyone. Why? Because they kept following their facts. They kept their eye on the ball, so to speak, right? They had seen Jesus for themselves. They knew that he lived. They saw the miracles. They heard his teaching. They saw him crucified. And then three days later, they saw him get up out of the grave, presenting himself alive and living. And what did they do? They started to grow this kingdom of God here on the earth, right? The prayer that we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Giving their very lives to proclaim Jesus is Lord. All of that because they wrestled to the ground the question of first and foremost importance. What do we do? What do we do with this Jesus? Now that parable teaches us a temporal truth, but it also teaches us a timeless truth. The temporal truth is that's what did happen, right? God exercised judgment against the nation of Israel in time. That's a temporal truth that we can look back 2,000 years ago and we can say, yes, in fact, that happened. But the timeless truth is that we have that same warning in our creed that we proclaim every Sunday. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Now, with that said, let's be clear. Judgment isn't primarily what Jesus wants to do. Judgment isn't primarily what Jesus wants to do, but it is what he will do because in the end, he's not going to force us to be with him against our will. So that's not what Jesus wants to do, but it is what he will do. So now we ask the question, what is it that God wants to do? And what God wants to do is found in 2 Peter 3.9. The scripture says this, and it's so beautiful. God doesn't want for anyone to perish. God doesn't want for anyone to perish, the apostle Peter tells us, but that everyone, everyone might come to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. So there's a little catch to the parable that we read this morning because we have something that the ancient Israelites didn't have. We have the benefit of hindsight. We know the whole story. We know how it worked out. So we can clearly answer the question, what do you want to do with Jesus? 
Because we know the good things that Jesus has done for us. Listen to these verses from John chapter 10 and just see how these things sound to you. I am the gate, Jesus said. Whoever enters through me will be saved. The thief comes to kill and destroy, Jesus says, but I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Doesn't that sound like an awesome invitation? And friends, there's so much more found in the pages of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul writes about the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And, and when you hear those words, don't you want those things for yourself in this world? All of it culminating in the cross of Christ Jesus. The forgiveness of our sins. And the promise of eternal life to all those who place their faith in him. So what should we do with Jesus? Knowing the one who offers forgiveness and freedom, shouldn't we run to him as fast as we can? Knowing the one who offers life beyond the grave, wouldn't we run into the streets to tell someone the good news of God in Christ Jesus? Yes, church, we are indeed in a stewardship campaign. And that should excite. That should excite each and every one of us who calls himself a Christian because the reason that we're in a stewardship campaign is that we're really in a kingdom-building campaign where you and I get to take stock of what Jesus has done, consider what resources Jesus has given to us, time, talent, treasure, and prayerfully consider how God would have us use it for the mission of the gospel. After all, isn't that really what we are stewards of? Providing fuel to spread the fire of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so isn't that what we should do with Jesus? Knowing all the good things that Jesus has done for us. And so to God be the glory now and forever. Amen.